from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Shall week's we? edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things of the week that make us go wow. Um, wow! Wow! Okay. I'm co-founder of the world. I am. I am. Who are you? I'm Fender Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, and I'm joined by our chief creative officer, Tom Campbell, and uh, editor of the Wow Report, James St. James. Hello, darling. Hello. How are you? You look fabulous. All right. Let's jump into the countdown. Number 10. Number 10. We have lost a lot of celebrity greats this week. It is. We are two weeks all- into the new year, and we've already lost about like 20 people. It's insane. 2022 is not I do not, not blame 2022. Yeah. I do not blame 2022, just to go on mm-hmm. record, that people live their lives and they pass away sometimes too soon. I'm going to start with a tribute, a rest in perfection, to Sidney Poitier, who um, it's amazing because he, he was so influential such a breakthrough, the, really the first black movie star, right? Um, and you realize that his fame came first in the 50s and 60s when they were just a few years away from when black people were basically maids and butlers. And he became a suave, versatile, handsome leading man. And everybody has their most favorite movies. He made classics. He won an Oscar for Lilies in the Field. But I, I really, and I love to serve with love. I love mm. guests who's coming to dinner. But if there is a, a, a moment when sort of history and acting and art and, and activism came together, I would have to say, looking back, it was In the Heat of the Night, a movie with Sidney Poitier, Rod Steiger, Lee Grant is in it. And I don't know if you've seen it recently, but I was watching some clips online and it's all about a, a murder in Mississippi and some small town cops and they're kind of covering it up and, you know, pointing their first finger. And Sidney Poitier, who I think is even suspected of it, is the city FBI agent who happens to be in Mississippi. And they're like, so why don't you stay there and work with the local law enforcement, which are a bunch of rednecks, you know, who are, ra- who are racist and work with them. And so he does. And in uncovering the small town corruption, he is also confronted at every step. At one point... The cops are like, well, and they use the N-word, which I will not say. But what do they call you up north, N-word? He goes, they call me Mr. Tibbs, which is one of the best lines ever in, in uh, being defiant and fighting back. And they actually made a sequel to the Ian Tonight called, and they call me Mr. Tibbs. But then there's this awesome, awesome scene where they go to the rich man in the town to investigate him with the police there, his his unlikely partner, Rod Steiger, who has to like deal with you know, confront his own racism. And the richest guy in town um, just says the rudest things to Sidney Poitier and then slaps him. And he does this like in his fancy um, greenhouse, orchid greenhouse with his black butler there holding like this, you know, an old decrepit black butler who's probably been in the family for years. And Sidney Poitier, without missing a beat, slaps him back. And it's so shocking to see. And the guy holds his face. He's like, and he says to the police officer, you see what he did? He goes, yes. He goes, well, what are you going to do about it? He goes, I don't know. 
And then he goes, and there, oh, can I, there were in 1960, whatever year it was, there were Seven. gasps in the theater when that happened. And there were Southern theaters that refused to show the movie. It was a it big was a slap deal. Road around the world. And it kind of was this delineation moment in history when it went yep. from kind of like Motown to James Brown from Martin Luther King passism to like, you know, back Panthers and, and taking control. And if there was ever a moment in the movies that defined that moment, it was that slap. And the last, the end of that scene, it's a very quick scene. Sidney Poitier pulls himself together and leaves and it just leaves the old, rich, awful, racist man and his look and his, and his decrepit black Butler looking at him like no words are said, just like, Oh, he says to him after he slaps him back, he goes, he goes, I, in, I, I used to be able to just to kill people like you. And then City Party does walks out and the butler's just like, I can't believe it. Anyway, there's so much more to talk about with Sidney Poitier. Um, and everyone has their favorite moments. I don't know if you guys do. What's amazing to me, he also went into directing. He directed um, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder later. It's, it's like the last 30 years, he's been around. I've seen him on Oprah and at important events, but we he, he sort of did re- move back from public life. But what mm-hmm. a contribution he made in his, in, his, uh, in his life. And thank you and rest in perfection, Sidney Poitier. Awesome. James, number nine. Number nine. Number nine. I watched The Lost Daughter, Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut starring Olivia Coleman in a tour de force performance. She is just wow. Hey, did either of you seen this yet? No. no. And, okay. and who is, you who need is... to. You need to set aside two hours and watch it. It is a slow burn, but it is worth it. She plays this professor who is on holiday by herself on a Greek island. And she brings with her a bunch of uh, luggage full of books that she wants to find a secluded beach and just read. And that's what she that's her her goal. And she finds this beach and she's just so content and so happy. And all of a sudden, this family of New Yorkers arrives and there's like 15 of them and there's teenagers and they're screaming and shouting and yelling at each other. And they just disrupt her completely. And she hates them she loathes them and there's this really tense uh standoff where they ask her to move her umbrella so they can all be together and she says no no i'm very happy where i am and it sets up this dynamic that the family hates her but she's sort of obsessed with the mother there's this young mother played by dakota johnson who is so gorgeous. I had no idea she was as beautiful as she is. And she was from Fifty Shades of Grey. And she can act. Like, who knew she could act? She's she's the mother of this young daughter. And uh, Olivia becomes sort of obsessed with Dakota. And you don't know where it's going because it's all over the map. And it zigs when you think it's going to zag. And the whole plot of a lost daughter is a MacGuffin or a red herring. I never know which one is which. I can never remember. I think it's a MacGuffin. I'll when take both. Little- I'll order both with a side of fries. The MacGuffin is when you think that it's one thing and then it turns out not to matter at all. Is that true? Well, We're the re- research yes. that. I-, I thought it was a device. I'll look up MacGuffin while you're talking. I thought yeah, it was it's, a device. It's a cinematic device that like Hitchcock did in Psycho where you think that it's about the stolen money, but it's not. Right? So you think this is about a lost daughter, but it has very little to do with a lost daughter. Um, uh, Olivia Hole, it's it's just about Olivia Coleman being weird and unlikable and creepy and crazy 
and you don't really know what's going on, but you are just pulled into this story and these weird people and everyone's being awful to everyone. And Olivia is definitely going to be nominated. There's just no doubt about it. She should win. Although it sort of looks like Nicole has the edge at this point. Nicole is the one to be. But anyway, um, so I do, like I said, you just need to take two hours and watch this movie. It's on Netflix. It's Olivia Coleman is just, I mean, she's a force of nature and you just need to, to see it. Olivia Coleman is amazing. Yes. The MacGuffin idea is so it's, it, you think it's important, but it turns out not to be. But so what it but it sounds like are you burying the headline in the sense that is there a sort of big reveal or a big twist or something? No, you keep like I said, you keep waiting for all these big reveals. You keep thinking uh. that maybe like Olivia's daughter died or something, but it never really comes to fruition. And there is a plot point where there is a missing girl. Dakota's daughter is missing, but it's 10 minutes and then it's over. But that does sort of set you on the track for what happens next. I heard that this uh was I read something that I think this is thematically and it won't be a spoiler, but it's about bad mothering. It's about women that don't have the capacity to love. Yes. Is there yes. something like, like that? Like I there? said, when she loses the daughter, it sets up this flashback with Olivia and her two daughters when she was in her twenties and how she just grew to loathe her two little girls. And so she was sort of a bad mother and that's sort of not Did you know, time. you know, Dakota Johnson is Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith's daughter, right? And Tiffany Hedren's granddaughter. Yes. And she now is in love with and lives with Chris Martin, who's from oh. the Coldplay, who is Gwyneth who is Paltrow's Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, she is, like I said, she's, you can't take your eyes off of her. She's just absolutely i've never seen her so stunning she's just absolutely beautiful and so compelling too it's these two women and they have this sort of tense obsessive relationship that just gets weirder and weirder and weirder hmm that is the lost daughter streaming on netflix number eight number eight i don't know about you but what is your favorite thing to look at on instagram uh, oh, I, we did this last week where I talk about um, uh, old afford or old cheap houses and Victorian houses and British okay. jewel, the British royal jewels are my two favorite things now. Thirst traps and thongs. Thirst traps <laughs> for sure, exactly. That's what I wanted. That's the answer. Oh, I I'm sorry. Blake cut out my whole British royal jewels. <laughs> I have a new thirst trap obsession, which is basically which isn't naked people. It is this giant. Well, it's actually. I started, I don't know where, the two things on Instagram. Pictures of elephants. I, I subscribed in some sort of ambient moment to an elephant <laughs> thing. And so I'm always getting pictures of elephants. And they are adorable. I am obsessed with elephants. But I'm not going to talk about elephants. <laughs> the other thing is space. I have become obsessed with looking at pictures of outer space and planets and galaxies and just the whole mind-bending thing, which... Leads me to number eight, which is they've on Christmas Day. I didn't know about this. On Christmas Day, they launched a new telescope into space. Now, until this point, the most powerful telescope was the Hubble telescope. And you may remember, I think it went up in the when did the Hubble telescope go up? But when they first launched it, it was um, there was a problem with the lenses and the mirrors. And it was just very problematic. They fixed it and it's been amazing. And it's now done. This new telescope, which is going to be in outer space, it's going to sit somewhere between the Earth and the Sun. I think it's like a million miles away from Earth. 
and it's just within the gravitational pull so it can stay in the same place. And it is, the reason it's got to be there is it's got to be super, super cold. It has to be so cold that it can see the infrared light. And if the machine itself is a little bit hot, it's going to, everything's going to be fucked up. And because you're in outer space and you're so much more near to the sun, that's a problem. So they have this amazing shield. There's like five layers. And each layer of this material is the thickness of a human hair. I'm telling this story all backwards, but they launched a satellite, this, 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 this telescope, and obviously it has to unfold. I mean, it's a massive thing. It's a huge mirror. And of course, you can't just put a big mirror on a spaceship, you know. They had to break it up into little hexagonals. So the whole thing had to launch in space and then gradually unfold the heat shield. And they say that it is a combination between a blooming onion from uh, (laughs) origami. It's it's very much like origami the way that it is like an origami swan that is It is a thing of great beauty. It looks kind of like a a sort of mechanical flower of some sort. Yes. But the magic, I'm even bearing the lead. But you see them, I guess I never really realized this, but telescopes actually are ways to look back in time because mm. because they can see further, they can see light that was emanated it, it, closer if to the big- it's light years away. If you're something is 60 years light years away, you are looking at something that happened 60 years ago, basically. Yes, right? Yes. And so, right. So the further the telescope can see the, the further, further back, back in time, time it goes are. which is why hold on, we, hold on which is why if aliens are watching us they are seeing what prehistoric dinosaurs if they're watching unless us they figured out plan. some way to maybe they've found out some light accelerator device so that they're not yes but so the, the idea of all this i'm going to hurry you along here the idea is that you we are going to be able to see the great bang or the, the big bang and we're going to thank see you, the James. dawn of the universe unfolding thank you so much because i i totally need you in my corner here <laughs> the hubble telescope could take us 400 million years back this telescope will take us another to, I think, 250 million years after the Big Bang. And the reason that's important is the Big Bang happened and there were no stars for the first 100 million years. And then the stars started forming. I don't know why. Don't ask me. We don't know. But this telescope is going to get us so close, within 100 million years or so, of the very beginning of the cosmos and stars and things. Well, Tom knows because he was there at the the Big Bang. (laughs) It's true. You want to see my big bang, guys? <laughs> and um, it's an amazing thing. It's called the James Webb Telescope. Uh, just silly things. Like they started developing this in 1996, you know, and they finished building it in 2016. It takes a long time to get this shit together. They had to invent all sorts of new technologies. And in fact, even with what they launched, there was something like 344 single points of failure, meaning that if any one of those things went wrong, the whole ten billion telescope, ten billion dollar telescope, was useless. I mean, just also stakes. another thing that was a very high stake was getting it from the laboratory to where it was being blasted off in Ghana, Africa, I believe. And they had to have all sorts of contingency plans if pirates came. They they, they had this whole you know 
because pirates are very popular in that part of the world. And they were thinking that it was going to be stolen. Someone was going to try and sabotage it. So to get it from point A to point B cost another, you know, $3 billion or whatever. It's just, it's been absolutely amazing to watch this, this launch and to have no problems so far. Exactly. And as we sit around complaining about this and that and, but just to think that this amazing effort has been pulled, it, it's so complex, it's mind-boggling. And then the results of what it's going to see are also somewhat mind-boggling. You can expect the first images, I think, sometime coming up in June, in the early summer. Um, but it's just so exciting. That's the James Webb Telescope. Now, would you ever go to space if, if you were asked? Would you, would you go? Oh, yes, of course, yes. You would go set up a colony on Mars? Yes, I'd go and never come back. I'd do that. The one-way trip, yes. Tom, would you? I wouldn't, but I know that Fenton would, and he would still find a way to host the show. That's the incredible thing about Fenton from Mars. Blake, would you leave the Earth? We've had this argument before, I believe. I don't know. Um, Blake and I are you staying You here. might have changed your mind. <laughs> Not based I on that guess. last piece. I would get very claustrophobic, I think, in the spacesuit and sort of freak out. But I, I would think I would be into, into it. See, I think just floating around in the void of space, like, you know, Bowie's Space Odyssey, it just, you wouldn't feel claustrophobic. You're just floating in space, right? Just well, but you then you and... like Sandra Bullock in what was the movie where she went Gravity. flying off into the, into the void? Gravity, yes. Yeah, yeah. RuPaul's Drag Race Season 14 has just begun. The January 7th episode, the highest rated debut for Drag Race since 2018. Tune in tonight, 8 p.m. VH1, and meet the next seven queens, because we have two premiere episodes. And, How can uh, anybody ever top Willow Pill, though? I think she she and uh, who's the who's the one cornbread. who did the rap? Cornbread. 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 Oh, my God. I love cornbread so much. Just you I wait, James St. James. Just you wait. There's some new queens that are that are there vying for the crown. Can I just say though, seeing a toaster in proximity to a bath fills me with high anxiety. I was just so anxious in that moment. I was just clutching my clothes. I was like, put the it's toaster down. And then I was wondering if you'd thrown the toaster into the bath. I was like, oh my God, this is some sort of well, grotesque that's when, thing. When drag is dangerous, that's when we like it. <laughs> Um, you are listening to the Wow Report on Radio, Andy. Blake, I think you have a question for us because we're going to take a break. I do, I do. Um, we were talking about Big Bangs earlier, and James is used to have Big Bangs, but now he's covering them up with this gorgeous new headdress. So I'm going to let James ask the question this, this week. Oh, My turban was designed... Wait, what was... How are we, how are we framing this? I can't remember, Blake. Who designed your turban? My, yeah. turban? my turban was designed by somebody who was RuPaul's longtime designer, but was also a longtime designer of Ronnie Spector's. Who would that designer be? All right. Now, who is the designer of James St. James's turban? We'll have the answer right after the break. You listen to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. And this week, Blake, James, you got to ask the tantalizing question. 
I'm wearing a, 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 a turban that has lots of buttons on it, and it's very bespoke and very couture and very designer. And it was designed by an old friend of WoW's who, for a long time, designed for RuPaul Charles on his show. And um, he is also a designer for, he was also a longtime designer for Ronnie Spector, who just passed away, and we're going to be talking about in a minute. Who is this designer? I, well, Zoldi, but Zoldi still is RuPaul's no, designer. No, so. no, no. There, he he designed dresses and gowns. The gown it's of many Bob colors. Mackey. No, Bob Mackey. Gown of, no, gown of many colors. Remember for the RuPaul talk show in the nineties. <sighs> okay, tell us who we're stumped. David Dalrymple. Oh, David Dalrymple, of course. Yes, yes. Through Pat Fields, I got it. Lovely Pat Fields. I must say, James, you in the turban just makes me feel old Hollywood. I love it. J'adore. <laughs> Takes me back to Sunset Boulevard. I, yeah, I'm getting Norma Desmond vibes. That's what I guess. Well, couldn't put my finger on it. <laughs> okay, we're counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, we've reached number seven. Tom. Number seven. My rest and perfection parade continues. And I'm because there's so many, I'm going to talk about two. No disrespect to them. I just don't want the week to pass without us mentioning their passing and their contribution to pop culture. The first being Ronnie Spector of, of the Ronettes, who was married to Phil Spector, who, uh, you know, her vocals and, you know, they had many hits, but their biggest hit was Be My Baby. And it is, you know, quoted by so many musicians in, in, the, in the wake of her passing as the a definitive defining voice in rock and roll, male, female, white, black, anything that she, her, the grit and the power that she had. Um, uh, she, you know, had a, uh, you know, had been around forever performing. She had, a, you know, Eddie Money, remember in the 80s, um, uh, brought Be her my back. little baby. Uh, uh, yes. And instead of sampling, he kind of really sampled her live. He had her be part of the track. Um, spoiler alert on season 14 of Drag Race coming up, which is airing Fridays on VH1 at 8. We do, coincidentally, because we saw it last summer, we do kind of a tribute to the Supremes, the Ronettes, and the Shangri-Las. So I'm glad, just, I'm, I'm glad that we'll be we'll putting that out in the universe. Um, and we can all kind of just, again, the influence of these artists into um, uh, pop culture forever. She had a very, you know, she was married to Phil Spector, who's ended up murdering someone many, many years later, was very eccentric, very controlling. And she sort of escaped him. It was not exactly an Ike and Tina thing, but it kind of was like that. And I think Ronnie escaped um, uh, Ron, uh, his Phil Spector's mansion where they lived as a married couple with her mother or something. They just like he went out of the room and they saw the chance and they just left with the clothes on their back. So she had a really, colorful not always easy life but what a contribution musically her her um she had a really spectacular look that is much imitated and, and but is just very her and it was the big beehives and the liquid eyeliner and she's famously said that the more applause she got the more high eyeliner she put on and the more mascara and the higher she'd hike her, her skirts because she loved the attention so much of the audience 
Yeah, it was like 63, 64, 65 when they came, when they were at the height. And not only did they have the beehives, but you know, because it was wig pieces, they had huge falls too. So it was like yeah. so much hair. It was it was mind-boggling. And she did do the eyeliner thing, which was popular at the time, but it ended up being sort of emulated by Amy Winehouse later. And but you know, yes, but yes, you, Amy and, always said that. But you do kind of, if you looked in the dictionary, you'd see uh, Ronnie Spector's picture for the definition of that look and the origination of it. So I want to talk about her. And then I want to talk about Peter Bogdanovich, the director who passed away, um, obviously directed some of the most amazing films of the late sixties and early seventies. One of my favorites is what's up doc with Barbara Streisand and, and Ryan O'Neill. It's, 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 you know, Peter Bogdanovich was, loved film and all of his references were film references in, in the most delightful way. And what's up doc was kind of like bringing up baby that Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, you know, it was this zany. He introduced Madeline Kahn in that film. Um, what James, I know, or Fenton, you have your favorite Peter Bogdanovich films as well. You know, I might, he's just such a bizarre presence to me in my mind. Like I, I think of him in the same breath as Gore Vidal as sort of one of these sort of, Hollywood figures who's slightly mysterious, like belongs to a period who was omnipresent. He just seemed to be always in the right place at the right time. And he had he had that very with... famous interview with Orson Welles that, that, that sort of lives on that you should look for. I know you interviewed it a number of times, Fenton. And I remember when we were at um, uh, the house, um, whose house was it? Brett Ratner's house. We were at Brett Ratner's house for a screening and he was living in the pool house. He was sort of yes. down on his luck and we saw him just sitting by the pool. Um, I, I just want to say very quickly that the last picture show is one of the most haunting and beautiful movies of all time. And Chorus Leachman's performance in it makes me cry. And Sybil, it introduced Sybil Shepherd and uh, Jeff, Jeff Bridges is so handsome in it. So beautiful. And of course, um, uh, Paper Moon with Tatum O'Neill and Ryan O'Neill, and that's just spectacular. I mean, there's also Turner Classic Movies did a uh, one of their po- famous podcast series, uh, you know, uh, also with Peter Bogdanovich that you can listen to on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And he, again, there there is not a greater. Uh, in, in addition to being a filmmaker and a contributor to Hollywood, there's no one who is a greater fan or student of film in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, they don't make them like that anymore. That's true. All right, moving on. Number six, James. Number six. Hold on. on. I'm having cramps. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm trying to put my slippers back on. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway. You have have slippers on with that? I do. I have a little house dresser. I have a house dress and slippers going on. Are you ready for your close-up, James? <laughs> um, I went to the theater. I went to go see Nightmare Alley the other day, uh, which is Guillermo del Toro's 40s-era noir circus thriller that stars Bradley Cooper, uh, Rooney Mara, Kate Blanchett, and Tony Collette. And he is a sort of a slippery, sleazy circus guy who does a mentalist act develops a mentalist act with um tony collette to sort of bilk the the you know the 40s era uh, you know circus goers and um uh they um eventually he strikes out on his own with with rooney mara and he becomes like a society darling at sort of big hollow big supper clubs around the country 
And that's when he ends up meeting Kate Blanchett, who is a noir dame, hard as nails. And she's a psychologist who uh, has the idea to grift some of her um, uh, rich clients. And she needs Bradley to do it with this mentalist act, right? And so they sort of go into cahoots together. And Kate Blanchett tears up every scene she is dressed to the nines she has that joan crawford lighting on her where there's like a bar across of light across her face like that 40s noir she slinks around this office this art deco office and if you go to the movies to see this this is the only reason you're going is to see kate blanchett's art deco office it is fenton it is the most spectacular thing you have ever seen do you know what i'm talking about have you seen it no, I haven't, but I'm going to see it right after this, number one. Number two, it's not just the Art Deco office. Kate Blanchett is the campest. She's just the campest. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, she's, she's so nominated being... for a bunch of things, but she just chews the scenery. Yes. I mean, literally, she like you laugh at every line delivery of hers because she thinks that she's being, she's somewhere between Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, and she's just smart, and she's just oh i mean she is just absolutely spectacular i do have to say too that um there is a scene where bradley cooper is in the bathtub and you see his mini cooper <laughs> you see the, the you see the twig and you see the twig in, in berries and i heard about this and doesn't tony collette stick her finger in his butt Tony's Colette gives them a little handy J and sticks the finger up there. And he's like, what is going on? It is uh, it, that, that this, is this, re- this review, this recap yeah. reminds me of like the Christian journal. It's like, we're, we're letting people know ahead of time about the content. So if you're not exactly. into fingers and butts or seeing people's penises, now, you know, now, you know, for your but I, do, I do want to say that it is in, in Fenton, I, you will go absolutely bananas over this. Watch it on a big screen. If you can, the bigger the screen, the better, because the cinematography <laughs> is just spectacular. The hair and makeup should be best Oscar. The, the, um, the, uh, let's see what else the best costumes. I mean, there's so much going on in it. Every, every frame is just chock full of just beauty. Oh, well, Please remind me what's the title. It's it's uh, Nightmare Alley, and it's only in theaters now, right? Yeah, Guillermo del Toro is uh, the the man awesome. behind it. Can't wait to see it. Okay, moving on. Number five. Number five. A podcast moment. Going to talk about harsh reality. That's the name of the podcast. Harsh reality. There's something about Miriam. Now I don't know if you know this story. Um, this is the new uh, podcast from Wondery, who makes some of the best podcasts out there. Um, it's a six-parter, and it tells the story of the show, which was called There's Something About Miriam, that was made in 2004. So it's like almost 20 years ago now. And it's a dating show. It's a, it's a competition elimination dating show. And Miriam is the woman that everybody is a-wooing, that the hot, horny, young bachelors are wooing. Very like most reality shows, you know, it's set in a luxurious tropical island location, gorgeous weather, beautiful villa, what have you. But there's something about Miriam. And spoiler alert, but not really. Um, the something about Miriam is that she is trans and that she was a pre-op trans. And the way this show worked was that everybody on the crew knew it. Obviously, Miriam knew it. But no one in the dating competition show knew it. And so they went through the whole competition 
And then Miriam picks who she wants to be with. And then Miriam reveals that she is trans. Not something that you could probably do today. And probably not something they should have even done then, which I guess informs the title Harsh Reality. Uh, and it's, so it's a fascinating podcast because it deconstructs. They, they talk to all the people who participated in the show. Um, they talk you know, to Miriam? Well, unfortunately, Miriam, after the show, um, she was actually, Miriam was part of the House of Extravaganza. Oh. And she went back to the States and, you know, drugs and sex work fell mm. out of a window, mm. oh, badly no. injured, mm. recovered, and then killed herself. Oh. And it's what is so upsetting oh. about the podcast is it doesn't really get to grips with that story like what happened and and also i have to say i don't feel we ever really get to grips with with miriam or really understand her and so even though this is a fascinating complicated story to tell i i don't feel the podcast really works even though they have the commissioning editor at sky who commissioned it and the unfortunately i know every single person involved in this i know the people at brighter pictures Gavin and Remy, they were sort of rivals of ours back in the day. Um, Gavin um, Gavin and Remy were a couple and they owned the production company and then they split up and Gavin became a porn star called Trojan Rock. James, I love it. Come across him. And then Remy became a life coach. Um, Remy is conspicuously absent from this because he was, I think it was his idea, but I think he wisely decided not to be interviewed for it. Well, wait, um, can I ask you a question, though? Mm. Um, when it's revealed, it was there, like, animosity towards her or hostility towards Miriam? Was, was that sort of the, the, the catch right there? Did, did the, or did the guy still go with her? What, 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 what was the outcome when it was revealed? Absolutely. The outcome was that a couple of them during the course of shooting had figured it out. Mm-hmm. And that what should have been a very... The, the, the sort of um, precipice moment anticipated by the producers turned out to go slightly awry because a lot of people were laughing. But then also very sort of tragically and awkwardly, it turned really dark and nasty. And there was a sort of riot. So even though the guy accepted it in the moment, he then, after, the, after accepting that, then suddenly people were like, hang on a second, I've just been made a complete you know, full of. And I think the difficulty in telling this story is threefold. One, I really think Miriam needs more respect and more attention than she gets yeah, in the podcast definitely. or to her, because she's victimized in it, even mm-hmm. though she knew the whole stakes and everything. I still think she was somewhat victimized. Then the, the contestants were also victimized. And in, the, in that moment, they became incredibly angry. And they rioted and they trashed the villa and then they trashed the hotel. And then he didn't take the money with 10,000 pounds prize money. He didn't take the vacation and with her. Um, in the end, they all sued uh, Sky. Now, Sky, of course, is owned by Rupert Murdoch. It's part of News Corps. Um, and they actually won, I think, a pretty hefty settlement because the show wasn't aired until after that settlement. And that's the other frustrating thing about podcasts. We don't, there's so many things you want to know. It raises so many questions and it doesn't really answer any of them. You kind of, you want to know what the guys got out of it. You want to know what happened to Miriam after it. The implication seems to be that this reality show ruined everyone's life, but it kind of doesn't really deliver on that 
you know so hmm. it, it's interesting it's it's worth checking out i think now but i can't remember trace Lisette. it was was it was she the host or was she correct. one of the she's, producers yes yes she's sort of the voice the voice front and center of it and it's a co-production between wondery and translash media yeah because i trace Lisette is is a fascinating woman she's um a, an icon of the community and we love her yeah it sort of suffers from a lack of a, a point of view. I mean, it, it, and it mm. still feels a very raw and tender thing. Shocking to think that it was 20 years ago. Yeah, um, that's crazy. And then crazy. sort of cruelty TV has just sort of blossomed from there. And it and, and that sort of seems to be the norm now. Well, right. I suppose. Yeah. Tom, I mean, what that, do you, that it, seems like it's sort of like the beginning of cruelty TV. I think there was those cruels. I think the, I mean, Joe Millionaire is back, but I, I think actually reality TV, there was a early period of it where people were trying to do things that were interesting and sociological and oftentimes were, were backfired. And I think if anything, well, I think uh, things are, people are either a more aware of what they're getting into and B, I think there's less dastardly turns. I'd like to think so. What was so. the one where they, the, um, the, where they gave plastic surgery to everybody? The swan. What was that? The what? Swan. The swan. The swan. Yeah. That was an interesting era. Well, I, you know, but if the Swan was on today, I would, I would go for it. I wouldn't mind getting some free. Well, we know you would be a contestant. We know you would be front in line. (laughs) Blake, do you have a question for us? I do. I do. Um, Is today, January 14th, is it National Dress Up Your Pet Day, Take a Missionary to Lunch Day, Feast of the Ass Day, or cesarean section day. That's right. Thank you, Blake. That's a fascinating question. <laughs> we'll have the answer after the break. You're listening to Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. We're here with James and Tom and Blake. We're counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. Wow. We. And we had a question. Yeah, um, you know, there's freaky holidays for every day. Today's January 14th, 2022. Is today National Dress Up Your Pet Day? Or is it Take a Missionary to Lunch Day? Or is it Feast of the Ass Day? Or is it Cesarean Section Day? I'm a, going B, to say, or D. I'm going to say is take your cesarean pet to lunch day and then eat its ass. I think you're close. I, I'd like to think it's uh, eat an ass day. I think it's all of the above. It is all of the above. Can you believe oh. it? I was sort of right too. <laughs> all right. So feast of the ass day is it began as a medieval Christian feast and commemorates the Israelite the Israelites' flight into Egypt. What? And what does one do on feast of the ass day? I oh, guess like you feast feed. of a donkey, like you're eating donkeys? Is that what it is? Yeah, it has a donkey. So uh, it was predominantly observed in France as a variant of the Feast of Fools, which commemorated biblical donkey-related <laughs> narratives, particularly the donkey that carried the Holy Family into Egypt following Jesus' birth. Oh, I thought you were saying ass, like as in eating, as in like well, tossing the salad. To I was like, yeah. that's what he was wanted you to think. Yeah, That's the uh, joke. Well, all right let's move on with the countdown we've reached number four number four i continue uh my rest in peace parade 
with a rest in perfection to Bob Saget. This wow. one kind of surprised everyone. Bob Saget was 65 years old. He seemed kind of young. He had just uh, gone on the road in Florida and um, uh, was doing a stand-up uh, you know, comedy tour. He had just finished a concert. He tweeted out that he loved every minute of it. Couldn't leave. It was two hours. He went back to his room, and according to the coroner, he was found the next day by the cleaning crew. Um, he died in his sleep on the bed uh, in, the, in, in Orlando. Um, and, you know, Bob Saget's one of those people who had many lives, you know, obviously uh, Full House comes to, to and Fuller House. And that was kind of a dumb show. And he played kind of a, a sappy dad character, although he was America's dad for that right generation. But he was beloved um, by a certain generation of millennials. Absolutely. Yes. And, and I will say, and I will say as someone who was too old to watch that show when it came out, I still watched that show. And I was, it was sort of, it was like a bit eating a Big Mac, that show. It left you with a warm, gooey feeling. And he also did, you know, never forget, we also, my generation, loved him because America's Funniest Home Videos was, was huge say, when it came on. He was like, the first host for nine years when we thought that show wouldn't go on for a thousand years. And he was, was loved YouTube by that. YouTube of its day. His, and there's two pieces of tape to watch, if you haven't seen them already, that sort of sums it up. One is, he was loved by his friends and loved by comedians. So if you don't think Bob Saget was... Um, hilarious, you're wrong, because he was loved by the community. Jimmy Kimmel did a pre-tape before he let the audience in um, where he just did a lovely tribute to him, and it's it's as moving just to see Jimmy try to get through it. I guess he tried to record it several times and kept breaking down and crying and how much... I guess Bob Saget was one of those guys who would tell you he loved you, he would check in with you, he really cared, he was a really sweet friend, and people say he was the funniest person in the room. Like, if you went to a party and he was there, you crossed the room and you spent as much time with him as you could, because he was just genuinely funny. And the other piece of tape to watch, there was a documentary... About, called the aristocrats do you remember that yeah it was about the telling of a joke it's it's the dirtiest joke ever told and it's basically a a, a a device to tell the dirtiest story you possibly can and and you know and end it and bob saget with that beauty you know, that 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 punum was that was called you know that 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 little boy face and his sweetness tells the most disgusting raunchy version of the aristocrats known on earth and uh there's been weird think pieces like, was he America's dad or this dirty guy? It's like, he was all those things. And he, yeah, you know, no. and he, 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 everyone loved him. And uh, it's, you know, as I get up there at my age, 65 seems real young. Um, so, and he leaves behind his children, his, uh, his second wife, I guess maybe his first wife too. But anyway, it's just uh, a, it was a sad amazing day. To see the outpouring of love on social media. I mean, people just, Every there was not a person on the in Hollywood who did not just think he was absolutely just the best. Yeah. So rest in perfection, Bob Saget. It's so sad. It's like will, will everybody please just stop dying? It is like yeah. an extraordinary. You know, you know what they call um, in medical terms? They call it the people who've died of COVID. They call it harvesting, which I find really creepy. But that's a medical term they use. Maybe it's just in the UK. They talk about people having been harvested. Just as a random detail. <laughs> Number three. Number three. Number three, I watched Nightmare Alley. And no, I'm not having a stroke. 
I watched the 1947 version of Nightmare Alley on Turner Classic Movies. And I had no idea when I went to go see the other one that it was actually a remake. The Guillermo del Toro version is a remake with Bradley, you know, the Bradley Cooper. And this has Tyrone Power in the Bradley Cooper role. Who you love. uh, uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about Tyrone Power in just a second. Um, and Joan Blondell was in the Tony Collette role. And Joan Blondell was sort of a, a wonderful comedian in the 1930s and 40s. Um, it is scene for scene, the same movie. The dialogue is almost scene for scene the same. There's a few minor changes and it gives and it has a happy ending, which the other one doesn't have. But it, they, they made them have a happy ending because it was 1947. Um Tyrone Power says that it was his favorite movie ever because he had just come back from the war and he wanted to take his career in a darker direction in du noir. And he was tired of being a matinee idol. He was tired of the fluff that he was given and he had to battle to get this movie made, but he did it. And it really, it is a testament to his acting ability because not many people think of him as an actor. Yes. I just have to go on record that my mother, Mary Campbell, a saint on earth and now in heaven, loved Tyrone Power. I think she would have done bad things for Tyrone Power. I think we all would have because Tyrone Power, and I just want to put this out there, that Tyrone Power in his 20s, in the 1930s, was the most beautiful man ever to grace the silver screen. He is up there with Brando and Valentino and uh, uh, Errol Flynn and Zac Efron. I mean, he is, I mean, he is the most beautiful boy ever. I just want to say, my mother did not lust after men like as a habit. She really mentioned it. Tyrone Power, Paul Newman. That's it. That's it. Yeah, up there. Yeah, up there with Paul Newman. And in movies like Marie Antoinette, The Mask of Zorro, uh, Black Rose, he was in Blood and Sand, where he was a matador, and he just filled out that matador outfit like nobody else. Uh, he was really, really beautiful. But then something interesting happened in the 1940s. He started to lose his looks. He smoked five packs of cigarettes a day. He was a hard drinker. And by the time he makes this movie, he's a handsome man, but he's not gasp worthy like he used to be. And by the time he makes his last movie, The Witness for, Witness for the Prosecution with Marlena Dietrich, you won't recognize him. He's just he's just an average looking man. And then he was on the set of a movie and he had a heart attack at age 44 and dropped dead on the set because he'd just been living so hard and it destroyed his looks. It's just fascinating to watch how, I mean, if you, if you Google young Tyrone power, I mean, literally your heart stops. And then you see these other pictures and you're like, huh, it's not even the same guy. He was bisexual and he had, uh, he had affairs with um, Errol Flynn. They say he had a big affair with Errol Flynn. He had affair with young Judy Garland, when in it, they say he was responsible for her first nervous breakdown, her first breakdown, because when he left her, he got Lana, Lana Turner pregnant and the studio forced her to have an abortion. But the love of his life was Cesar Romero, Fenton, the Joker from the Batman TV series oh. that they were together for decades they were just they were they were Cesar Romero went on Howard Stern in the 90s and said the love of the great love of my life was always Tyrone Power and he was my 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 everything that's a scandal that's amazing I love yeah, that yeah yeah and it, but he's just he's fascinating to watch and he's really good in this and like I said if you go see the the one the Guillermo del Toro 
try and check it out on Turner Classic Movies because it's an interesting compare and contrast. Nightmare Alley, 1947. That's streaming on the Criterion Collection. All right, number two. Number two. Um, I, I just mentioned a little bit earlier that, you know, the medical term for dying of COVID is harvesting. They talk about people who've been harvested, which I just think is so grim reaperish and creepy. But this informs my next item, which is Arrest in Power, uh, Igor and Grichka Bogdanov. Um, James, I'm sure you know who they are. Yes, twins. Yes, the, the French um, presenters, yes, with, with yes. the plastic surgery nightmares, yes. It turned out that they were anti-vaxxers and they both contracted COVID and died within a few days of each other um, uh, just, in the, just before Christmas. Or is it just after Christmas? Let's see. One died, yes, they, were, they both contracted, they were both anti-vaxxers and they both contracted COVID and died within a few days of each other after Christmas. Um, I was sort of only aware of them from the, from the pictures because they'd had vast amounts of plastic surgery. And I think, I'm not being judgy at all, it's just, was, I just felt their choices of, were very unusual choices in terms of what they did to their faces. They, they, like, had those, they got big, big, big chins yes. and big, big, big lips and big, big, big cheeks. And it, they ended up looking like um, the guy from Mask. <laughs> yes. I mean, and, and they said that they were, um, they both said they were very proud of having faces like extraterrestrials. Not extraterrestrials like we normally associate the greys, you know, with the sort of no nose and tiny right, eyes. Right. And No, this is a very sort of um, sculptural face. Like, they look like Easter Island statues. I was going to say, they, they do look like Easter Island <laughs> statues. But they were very handsome early on. They were no yes. yeah. Well, that's I think I they them. are the future. Because I've been watching as we've been locked in this hotel room. I've gotten sucked back into the Kardashians. I know. Like, you go in, and it's like it's like watching General Hospital. It's like I'm right back in. But I have right. to say, and I love the Kardashians. It's not a diss. But they, what they have done to their faces, all of them, to sort of look a certain way, it, maybe it's more palatable, but why? They're just an extreme version, the twins, of just doing, of like, of shaping, reshaping your identity entirely. I well, it's it. interesting you say that because I remember, like, with Amanda Lepore, that in 1990, people thought that she was the most outrageous thing that anyone had ever seen. And then here we are, you know, 30 years later, and everybody, looks like Amanda Lepore, the Kardashians, Lisa Rinna. They all have these these faces that have become the standard. And in 30 years, we might all end up looking like the Bogdanovich twins or whatever they're called. Because right now, <laughs> for no, lucky. One, no one right now looks like the Bogdanov twins. Bogdanov. I mean, really. And if you go back and look at the pictures of them, they were hosts of a, of a, of a French show called Tons X which was like a sort of Tomorrow's World magazine show. So they were in a spaceship and they would host and introduce items about future inventions. Like if they were still around, they might've done a piece on the, on the James Webb telescope that we were talking about earlier. But oh my God, they were gorgeous. I mean, really kind of like hot. They Super were like hot. exotic vegetation. Well, but do you think that it was a fear of losing those looks or was it just they, they were so into whatever is next that they decided that they wanted to go the surgery route? What do you what do you get inside their head for a minute? I know I really want to. I, I need there to be a documentary about the Bogdan yeah. twins. I would watch that. 
Mm-hmm. I would too. If you only knew some good documentarians. Wait a minute. <laughs> they also said that they it. were instrumental in the invention of Bitcoin. I don't know if that's true. And they were also, after they stopped hosting their sci-fi show, they became sci-fi writers. Um, just a really fascinating story. Just a fascinating story. Um, rest in power. The Bogdanov. Bagdanov. Is it Bagdanov or Bogdanov? I Blake. don't care. If it's <laughs> French, it's probably Bogdanov. Are you asking Blake from Arkansas to help you with the French pronunciation? <laughs> Is that what you're yeah, I think we can move along. I think we can just agree that it was it was either or. <laughs> Rest probably. in power, the twins. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, hey, I, Mama Roo, Roo's 14th studio album by RuPaul, out now. It's fantastic wherever you get your music. And when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go, wow, wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. Fenton here with James and Tom and Blake. We've been counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. And we've reached number one. Number one. It's really a celebration of, of trans excellence this week and I'll start and then go to James, which is the golden globes happened this week. I know it's kind of like it wasn't televised. So if you have an award show and nobody comes and it really happened, yes, it really happened. And the best actress in a TV series drama went to MJ Rodriguez from pose Michaela J Rodriguez, as she likes to be called. Now she beat out Elizabeth Moss, Christine Baranski, Jennifer Aniston, Uzo Aduba, really an amazing testament to that show, to her performance. And uh, to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which has been getting heat, I think are trying very hard to rectify and to sort of update their taste and their sensibilities. Uh, but, you know, so often this, um, uh, you know, is a harbinger for other things and it's a great platform. And she's the first person in the history of the Golden Globes uh, for a trans person to win this major honor. So MJ Rodriguez and the cast of Pose and the directors, we salute you. And I just wanted to say that this is a tie, that the number one is a tie. I want to give a shout out to my girl, Amy Schneider on Jeopardy, who is tearing it up. She is a <gasps> trans woman who is won uh, over a million dollars at, at this point. She's been uh, on a streak, on a winning streak for the last month and a half, I think. Since December, I know, since the beginning of December, and she is unstoppable. And to watch her play the game is to see a master at work because there, there are entire episodes where nobody else even gets to, to click in because she is just going so fast. And I'm, yeah. I'm about like two weeks behind. I'm about like where Christmas, because we like to save Jeopardy and watch mm. several of them while we're cooking. But uh-huh. She, as of like where I am, two, which was two weeks ago, she only had lost the last answer like twice. Yeah. Final um, Jeopardy. There is one episode that's coming up that is a nail biter where someone almost gets to her and at the last minute she pulls it off. And it is uh, like literally you are sweating bullets the entire time. She uh, excels with pop culture, anything to do with movies, TV, pop music fashion she's just she is i mean literally she's lightning fast and to see her she's just a very ordinary woman but with an extraordinary mind and a great story 
what an amazing place and place of visibility for her to be. You know who told me about her first? My brother, my straight brother in New Hampshire who mm. watches Jeopardy with his son. And how great that people who watch Jeopardy, which is the main you know, stream of America, is being, again, exposed to and witnessing this trans excellence. I think it's and, such and it's an a awesome combination kind of, of trans excellence because, you know, we are used to seeing fabulous, fabulous, you know, gorgeous, uh, you know, MJ and, and you know, uh, other, you know. And that's Yes, but she really is. She is just somebody that everybody in America can relate to or aspire to being like because she's so smart and so likable and so wonderful. It's just, it's a joy to watch Jeopardy these past. A star is born. Yes. So how long can her winning streak continue? Just indefinitely, right? It can go until until it ends. And, you know, Ken Jennings, I think, was like three months. How long was he? I don't, I don't know, but he's the number one longest. He's the number, but, but she's, she is, um, she's already broken a bunch of records for winning, getting to a million the fastest. She is, um, she is, it's just, she's just breaking records left and right. She's the first woman to break a million. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, me and my friend, when we were watching, we always say, wouldn't it suck if you finally got on Jeopardy? Like it's your dream. And she was at the podium next to you. Well, like I said, there was this poor guy the other day and he didn't get one question. It was like you just felt so bad for him. (laughs) Well, that's all we have time for this week. Tom, thank you. James and James, thank you. Blake, thank you. Um, You can catch up on previous episodes. Uh, you can watch them on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents, or on the SiriusXM app. Um, same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. 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 <laughs>